0: Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them, said Jesus. And as his listeners struggled to comprehend what Jesus had just said, said, his own disciples finally said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Well, think about it. When your master seems to be suggesting some sort of cannibalism, it's no wonder that many of Jesus' disciples walked away at that point and no longer followed Jesus. No, Jesus was not suggesting cannibalism. He was suggesting, however, that just as, we need, just as we need bread to eat in order to live physically, we need Jesus to live, period. Not God in general, Jesus in particular, the flesh and blood, Jesus, from Nazareth. You know, that place down the road. As it was made clear earlier in this chapter, Jesus doesn't just give us life-giving bread to eat. Jesus is the bread. And to many folks today, this teaching is difficult, I think. Who can accept it? For instance, when Jesus says elsewhere in the Gospel of John, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Many of us may feel uncomfortable because it sounds so exclusive. We all, or perhaps many of us, want to believe there are many ways to reach God, not just through Jesus, When Jesus says, I and the Father are one, as he also says in the Gospel of John, we may be uncomfortable. This is difficult. Jesus was a man, a human being, we think. A human being can't be God? I don't know how many times I've heard this. I'm sure you have as well. Pastor Beth as a pastor. Uh, A variation on this statement. I can accept everything about Christianity except the part about Jesus being divine. And, of course, there are many non-believers out there who find this belief a bit too hard to swallow as well, something of a fairy tale. This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? And for many of us who wish to fit into our world and fit well and comfortably and not be seen as a religious fanatic, the name Jesus may make us uncomfortable again. Perhaps ringing in our ears is some Bible-banging evangelist on a street corner at a camp we once attended or on the radio, or maybe someone who sits at the desk next to you at work. All you have to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you too will have eternal life. And somehow in the delivery it may leave us feeling not the expansiveness of God, but the limitations of a human being trying to peddle something. And when you read or listen to most faith statements that come out of mainline Protestants, Lutheran confirmands, including our own, God is mentioned by almost all rather quickly, while Jesus, curiously, is often not mentioned. It's the Jesus problem, folks. Jesus is so specific and particular and incredible and exclusive. And we say right along with the disciples, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Jesus' response to the disciples is interesting, I think. He asks them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Kind of an open-ended question, really. Um, In other words, um, do you think you'll look differently at me after I ascend to heaven, after my life, death, and resurrection have come full circle? I think that's part of it. But I also think part of what Jesus is doing here is challenging the disciples with an alternative, namely, tell me, you guys, would it be better if I ascended now to the very place I was in the beginning with with my Father in heaven? Since the idea of, of my very flesh being the bread of life is offensive to you. Would it be better if I had never entered creation and taken on flesh? Let's tease that out. So, without that incarnation, what we celebrated Christmas, would God's love for you filter down to you from the skies? floating to us in a disembodied spirit. No, that's not our world. Those are not our lives. Our lives are clothed with flesh, earthbound. That's where we live. In Luther's day, it was often said, the flesh is good for nothing. We all get that statement, right? The flesh just drags us down, right? It's where our base desires and carnal appetites live. This is what takes us away from our true spiritual selves. This was a common perception and I I would suggest it is a common perception. We often kind of feel that way. Luther's response to that statement is is very interesting. He said, God without the flesh is good for nothing. Nothing. Think about that one. That's what we're talking about. In other words, the flesh, this world, this life, these bodies right here um, is where God comes to us. He meets us where we're at so that we can have life. Without Jesus, you have a very distant God who is hidden from us, who can't relate to us, Some seem to prefer this God very non-specific, non-particular, and generalized. Well, in one way that's easier. There's less of a commitment and a leap of faith. You can hang on to vague notions. But the God who does not come to us in the flesh, Luther would say, does not come to us at all. This is an earthy theology in the Gospel of John. And from Father Martin. Now, don't make the mistake in thinking that flesh by itself is the answer either, as Jesus points out in this chapter. God provided manna in the wilderness, Um, but as wonderful as God's providence was then, uh, the bread that they ate in the wilderness nourished them for several hours or so, and then they got hungry again. They needed more to live. The flesh, as we know, is fragile and needy. And this is why Jesus says the flesh is useless. It is the spirit that gives life. It is when the spirit, you see, is joined to the flesh, Christ, to Jesus, the man, that we have something that is far beyond manna in the wilderness. And this is why, again, Jesus tells us he doesn't just give us bread. He is the bread. So it really is for we Christians all about Jesus. He's at the center. It's less about eating his flesh than having a relationship with this God who took on flesh as Pastor Beth was uh, uh, leading us down that path last week to consider our relationship. So for us Christians, we are not uh, we are defined, rather. By not merely believing in God, but by following Jesus the Christ, by finding our life in Jesus the Christ, that is our center. This is very specific. It is very particular. It may offend some, even us, from time to time. But I, for one, would rather have a promise and a life that is given to me that is not fuzzy on particulars, but is concrete and in the flesh. God showed up in Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God shows up in bread and in wine, in people like you and me, in the world that we know. As we live out, live out our identity at Mount Olivet and live towards God, God's preferred future for us, we are engaging more and more in practices that help us to see and to trust that Jesus is the center for us and that Jesus is here when we gather. It's where we see God most clearly and it's where God meets us. Finally, we may squirm a little bit, thinking this sounds too evangelical, too Jesus y, too exclusive, too presumptuous. Remember this about Jesus, though. Jesus was far more inclusive and open than any of us could ever imagine, and the people in his day. He constituted a major offense to the religious authorities because he was inclusive of those who were left out of this world, judged unworthy. It is certainly not Jesus' intention that this ever, ever be a private little club for those who are better than the rest. Jesus is God's invitation to you and to your neighbor to be in relationship with God That's how close God has come to you. Perhaps we should take our cue from Peter after some of his disciples left Jesus at this point because his words were too difficult. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, do you also wish to go away? And the rest of you? Is this what it's come to? Peter's response is quite memorable. Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus asks the same of each of us here today and every day. Do you also wish to go away, to walk away from the particularity of God in the flesh of Jesus of Nazareth? What is your response to Jesus' claim to be the bread of life? Are Jesus' words the words of life and eternal life for you? Amen.